When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, author Rosie Corey reveals a sinister plot by the United Nations to wage war against rural and suburban living, personal property, even personal vehicles. Then they immediately determine that, yes, everything we're doing now does compromise the ability of future generations to meet their needs. And what were they going to do about it? And this is the action plan. Agenda 21 is the action plan. And they consider to be unsustainable uh, single-family residences, private vehicles, appliances, meat eating. And, you know, basically this is the middle-class lifestyle that many people around the world aspire to. But this is considered to be unsustainable. This podcast is supported by Paranormal Contractors. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome to your Friday. Rosie Corey, the author of Behind the Green Mask, UN Agenda 21, is standing by. We'll also have a visit from Christian Cadieu, the real John Constantine of Paranormal Contractors. A quick shout out to some of you who took the time to email me. Uh, Hi, my name is Robert Hubbard. I live in Centerburg, Ohio. I've been a faithful listener from the beginning, following you from coast to coast AM. I appreciate everything you do. I listen to you while I'm at work on my phone. And uh, thank you for opening my eyes to a lot of things. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Richard. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Hope that you, the mighty Aphrodite, and the boys are well. I came across you on Coast to Coast AM. I listen to you whenever I can on my iPhone 8 from Henderson, Nevada, which is right outside of Las Vegas. I also love the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. Thank you for the great research and work. Anthony S. Ward. Thank you, Anthony. All right. Agenda 21 is a United Nations plan to control all land, water, and resources. The plan includes creating an inclusive inventory, as well as monitoring and an assessment and bringing all systems of the world in alignment with one another so they can be managed, controlled, and surveilled. Part of this control involves increased restrictions and obstacles to owning private property. The ultimate goal of Agenda 21 is the elimination of the nation-state and the assembling of a totalitarian corporatocracy across the world. Trade agreements like the Trans-Pacific Partnership are the stepping stones to activating the agenda, abandoning borders and jurisdictions, and serving as an interim measure to transfer power to city-states or mega-regions. The agenda can be 
observed locally with such things as high-density urban mixed-use development, where people live clustered together, and property is thought of as commonly shared rather than privately owned. Rosa Corey is a forensic commercial real estate appraiser specializing in eminent domain valuation. Her 28-year career as an expert witness on land use has culminated in exposing the impacts of sustainable development on private property rights and individual liberty. Over the course of a legal challenge, Corey became aware of the source of the planning revolution she had observed over more than 10 years, UN Agenda 21. Through her research, she found that much of the funding to implement local UN Agenda 21, sustainable development land use programs, comes through the diversion of property taxes to redevelopment agencies. Her work in providing information and solutions for communities fighting UN Agenda 21 has spread across the nation as more and more people become aware of the increased restrictions on their property rights and the methods used to implement social engineering. She is the author of Behind the Green Mask, UN Agenda 21. Rosa, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. Hi, thanks for having me. In a nutshell, Agenda 21, coming out of the United Nations... What is it all about? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you uh, you laid it out. Uh, as you know, as I do say on my website, it is uh, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy fact. It is the action plan, the blueprint to inventory and control all aspects of human interaction with the environment, including uh, all aspects of uh, land use, uh, water, minerals, plants, animals education, information, construction, means of production, uh, and information, including every way that human beings uh, touch the planet. This is an inventory and control plan, and it is not some dusty old plan that has no impact on you. It is having an impact on you no matter where you live in the world. It was signed on to Agenda 21 is uh, called Agenda 21 because it's the agenda for the 21st century. That's what the UN called it. And it was signed on to by 179 uh, world leaders, including, as you said, George H.W. Bush and Brian Mulroney um, in 1992. And it was brought back into our nations. It is a non-binding agreement, but because our countries implemented it, in our, we have implemented this in our countries, and so it is binding on us because it is national. Uh, these are national laws, rules, regulations, ordinances, and acts that implement uh, are implementing Agenda 21 right now. And mainly, you see it as land use plans, but you also see it as controls on water and energy, your educational system, food production. It, impl- it impacts every part of your life, including domestic surveillance. I mentioned the smart meters off the top. That might be the most visible aspect of these, because anyone can go outside their house here in Ontario right now and look at these smart meters. I don't know if you have them in California. Oh, sure. Okay, mm-hmm. so how do these smart meters figure into Agenda 21? Well, when you think about what, what uh, glo- this is, we're talking about globalization here. And globalization is the standardization of systems because, as I say, you can't control what you can't, what you don't inventory. If you can't, if you don't know what you have, you can't control it. So this is an inventory plan and then a control plan. 
So smart meters, and you have smart meters not just on your electrical meter or your gas meter, but they are metering water as well. So uh, when you have smart meters on your uh, water and your energy, um, this is a centralized control that is a smart grid that goes it's not just in Canada or the United States, it's all around the world. Um, I've seen smart meters in rural Mexico. Uh, there are, this is what this is, is a way to monitor, control, surveil, and manage all aspects of your life. And so uh, this is how it uh, ties in with smart meters because um, you have a centralized control and standardization of systems. So if you're using uh, what is perceived to be too much water, you can have your water, uh, you actually you can have your water limited by your meter. You can have um, your energy limited by your meter or shut off completely by your meter without anyone coming onto your property. And this is not uh, some fantasy. This is real. This is, a, this is the way that these meters are designed, um, regardless of whether there are any health issues related to, uh, to the meters themselves. They emit the EMF. Them. Yes, they, em- they emit EMF in a pulse right. like every, was, every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And regardless of that issue, and I think that that, you know, that is a concern, but what I'm talking about here is, um, is something that is not, it's not, uh, there's no issue as far as whether it's, um, uh, controversial or not. This is the reality. This is what these are designed to do is to shut off your ability to access your water or your power. So Agenda 21, when that was, when, when Canada and, and the U.S. signed on, so the provincial government here where I am in Ontario, they had, they were given their marching orders from the U.N. They had no alternative but to institute this aspect of it, uh, the smart meters. Is that right? No, that's not exactly right. Um, what it was was this is a voluntary plan. It was signed on to by your Prime Minister, uh, Brian Mulroney, and uh, I guess I'm saying his name right. I don't yes, know. yes, you are. And, uh, in 1992. And so, you know, the thing is that the people are going to look around and say, well, I don't see the United Nations in my neighborhood. And it's true, they're not. Uh, what you have here is a plan that because it was adopted by your country, and because your country has made laws and rules and regulations that implement it, yes, it is binding. And that's what you see. So what the United Nations is, is a framework, it's a structure to allow for global governance. And, uh, so this is, this is the goal, is ultimately we're, and we're in it right now, we're moving steadily into a corporatocracy, a totalitarian state, total globalization and uh, concentration of power uh, in, a, in a very small elite. And this is the way that it happens, through land use, through control on, on our energy, and also through infiltration and control of our educational system. Rose, that was on your website, Democrats Against UN Agenda 21. And, and what I, the takeaway there for me was the UN is at war with, with North America. They don't like the fact that we have single-family homes. They don't like the fact that we have our own cars. They don't like our uh, our air conditioning. They don't like the fact that we eat meat. They think we're our th- we're dangerous. We're a threat to the planet. Is that right? Um, yeah, but it's not just North America. What this is is that the middle class 
lifestyle is considered to be unsustainable. You know, everyone thinks they know what sustainable development is. You know, it's like we've all heard this term now. But that comes from the United Nations in 1987, the Brutland Commission, the UN uh, World Commission on Environment and Development, uh, said that um, sustainable development was a development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. So, of course, then they immediately determine that, yes, everything we're doing now does compromise the ability of future generations to meet their needs. And what were they going to do about it? And this is the action plan. Agenda 21 is the action plan. And they consider to be unsustainable uh, single-family residences, private vehicles, appliances, meat-eating. Uh, you know, this is the... And, you know, basically, this is the middle-class lifestyle that many people around the world aspire to. But this is considered to be unsustainable. And so when you have um, identification of uh, your homes, your private single-family homes as being unsustainable, that is then the justification for smart growth, high-density development in these city centers and the Wildlands Project which is to move people out of the rural and suburban areas and into the city centers. This plan is, is basically an ultra-urbanization plan. It's a war on rural areas, and it involves subsidies for development of high-density transit-oriented development in cities. And this is where a lot of your money is going to be going, is into these for-profit developments that are built by private developers for they're building the hardscape for your future poverty. Rosa, here's the thing. Now, I consider myself to be, you know, kind of a rugged individualist, but some of these things, at a certain level, make sense. I mean, I'm for, you know, greater... Um, um, uh, greater density in, in the urban centers with, you know, uh, access to good transit and so forth. I mean, I, 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 I think that urban sprawl really is kind of a blight. Uh, I like, I, I love New York City for that very reason. You know, it's, it's all contained on an island and, and uh, great, great density and so forth and all the amenities that that provides, as long as it's voluntary. That's the problem, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, I, I agree. Of course, some people really love city living. I also have lived in high-density areas in San Francisco and really have enjoyed it. Um, it's difficult if you want to have a dog or you have children or you have, you know, other, you know, your, let's say your sax player or whatever. You want to smoke. You can't smoke in your apartment. There are many areas now that have outlawed smoking in your condo or your apartment, um, you, you know, in your own unit. So uh, this what, what this is, you know, of course, if you want to live in a high-density development, that's great, but what's happening is that your property tax and your transportation tax dollars are going to subsidize these developments. And this is what's happening, is that uh, through uh, sustainable community strategy grants, through um, many regional planning grants that are coming down through federal governments, including in Canada, um, you're finding that uh, money is being diverted into these plans. And these are basically crony developer developments that, um, and, you know, projects that uh, benefit specific individuals but have sort of a veneer of uh, environmental concern. This is the hijacking of the environmental movement. So they want, they want to herd us in like cattle into the cities where we can be, uh, we can be surveilled. Uh, we can be controlled. Now, how do they want to, how do they want to limit our mobility? I mean, I was mentioning off the top 
how, you know, it seems to me that they're, they're trying to make it as difficult as they, as they can for us to fly anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but how else are they, uh, this, under Agenda 21, are they attempting to limit our mobility? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what you'll see, of course, is vehicle miles traveled taxes, which uh, involves putting a GPS device on your private car and charging you if you drive too many miles. And if you think that I'm making this up, Check it out. Vehicle miles, travel taxes. This is coming your way. Um, another thing is to take your tra- your transportation tax dollars and basically sink them into a hole called uh, high uh, high speed transit, high speed rail. This is a designed to fail. We don't have high speed rail in the United States. I don't believe you have it in Canada. No. Although, and uh, it's very very expensive. And this is a plan that um, is being pushed heavily. It will divert a huge amount of our uh, of our transportation tax dollars and you have to remember this plan is about agenda 21 is about destroying your um, your independence it's about creating total dependence on government and uh, it's about loss of sovereignty it's about the um, law the erasure of jurisdictional boundaries and the loss of individual sovereignty so um, you may have uh, for instance the North American Union uh, which is being facilitated by non-governmental organizations through um, uh, alliances and through uh, basically groups that will go around the treaty process so that it's not necessary to have a treaty. It's just agreements that are made by private groups that eventually will influence government enough that we won't have separate, um, separate boundaries. Now, these, uh, this Agenda 21, as I understand it, goes by many different names because it's being implemented at the local level. So if someone were to, let's say they're concerned about this after hearing the show or after reading your book, Behind the Green Mask, and they want to find out to what extent it's in, it's already taking place in their community, let's say they, they call the, uh, the, the, the city hall and they say, oh, we don't know anything about Agenda 21. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other names it may be hiding under? Mm-hmm. You'll never see it called Agenda 21, and that's how your uh, government can say that you're crazy and you're making it up and you're a conspiracy theorist, right? Um, you know, it's only just recently that the government even acknowledges, our governments even acknowledge that Agenda 21 exists and that they signed it. And even now you will find that they don't wish to do that. But so what you're going to see, let's, uh, for instance, let's say you're in Calgary. You're going to see the Calgary Regional Partnership Land Use Vision of 2007. That's 18 municipalities. Uh, this is a regional vision. If you're in New York State, you'll see Plan New York City 2030, Long Island 2035. You'll see um, Vision 2020, Sustainable New York, Connecticut. Um, you're going to see huge groups of municipalities, um, 37 municipalities in New York um, You're going uh, that join together. You're going to have um, large groups of uh, cities and counties joining together as regions that are going to basically uh, create these regional boards that you don't elect. So what this does is it destroys your ability to influence through your government. You don't have representational government then, and you have lost your regional, your, your, uh, your, your boundaries. This is what it does is it erases your jurisdictional boundaries. So then they create sort of a, a parallel government that is regional. And that is the stepping stone to, uh, to globalization because that erases boundaries. And that's what globalization is all about. How are they going to, I mean, let's face it, since the, um, sort of the start of the Industrial Revolution, 
you know, in, in North America going back more than 150 years, people have started to, to move off the farms and into the city, and that's escalated, obviously. Now the family farm is pretty well done. But for those people that are still sort of clinging to that rural life, how are they going to coerce them into the cities? Are they just going to stop maintaining their roads or providing services? How are they going to do it? Mm-hmm. Well, that is one way. Uh, what you'll see is, uh, for instance, um, if you're in a rural area, you'll see that uh, your rural roads will not be maintained, your rural post offices will be closed, your rural schools will be closed, uh, services basically will be ended out in your area. And uh, then what happens then is that infrastructure can't be supported out there. Less and less people are able to live in those areas. Um, you have uh, people who can't get their goods to market. Um, and then you have vehicle miles travel taxes that are going to tax you if you're driving a long distance, and people gradually will begin to come into the cities. And then um, there's less money out there to maintain whatever in- infrastructure is left, and this is how it's done. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, you may think, you know, water well monitoring is one way they do it as well. You know, you may think that you're out there, you're self-sufficient, and then someone comes out, from your government and says that they're going to put a meter on your water well and restrict your use of water. How can they do? How can they come onto private property uh, and put a? I mean, the smart meter goes right up on your on on your house in many mm-hmm. instances. How can they do that legally? Yeah, well, you know, you have basically an easement uh, on your property for the utility if you look at your deed. And uh, that's what they're saying, you know, that they basically have the right to, you know, to utilize that easement and come onto your property. What's necessary to do is to object, to, re- to reject smart meters and object as a group. So you want to go to your local, you know, whatever you're, whether you're in a city or county or whatever, wherever you are, you want to get down there, you want to make a lot of noise and say you do not want smart meters. And, um, you know, if you're like, uh, like us in California, we have opted out. We have to pay to not have a smart meter on our property that supposedly is to have it monitored, uh, you know, have someone come out and read it. But uh, you can do that. And if you don't have that option, you should demand that option because we want to block this as long as we possibly can. Hey, it's Friday time for a visit from Christian D. Cadieu, the real John Constantine from Paranormal Contractors, a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. Hey, Christian, how are you? Busy, Richard. Absolutely busy, but I'm doing well, thanks. And it's always good to, to be on your show and speak with you. When you do a paranormal investigation, what's one of the first steps that you take to make sure that there's an actual haunting or paranormal activity, unwanted paranormal activity going on at a location? That's a great question. There's a section of our services that we refer to as authentication. And what we do is we validate through the client. Now, what we do is through the usage of reverse speech and the usage of something which is referred to as VSA, which stands for Voice Stress Analysis Software. Essentially, it's like a a polygraph, but for the voice. And it can tell me if somebody is lying or not. And with reverse speech, it can also tell me what they're thinking unconsciously and consciously. So with the usage of these two pieces of technology, I can now know if the person the client is telling me the truth because I will not take on any client 
or any file or any case if I know somebody is lying or embellishing in any way, shape or form. That's a great point because that would simply undermine not only their credibility but yours and your reputation is at stake here. So you have to make sure that these clients are on the up and up and they're not having you on. That is correct, absolutely. And the last thing I want to do is uh, certainly jeopardize or impede on my reputation or you know, provide somebody with something that is not necessary. So give us a toll-free number if people need to reach paranormal contractors. Our toll-free number is 1-866-724-0800. 1-866-724-0800. Talk to you next Friday, Christian. I look forward to it, Richard. Thank you. Christian D. Cadieux, The Real John Constantine. Paranormal Contractors is a division of Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners. For more information, visit their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors for things that go bump in the night. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Rosa Corey is with us behind the green mask, UN Agenda 21, and the website is Democrats Against UN Agenda 21. Now, um, Rosa, this, as they're, as they're herding people out of the rural areas into the, into the major urban centers, and, and, uh, you, you, I believe you call it stack and pack housing, mm-hmm. uh, and, and restricting our mobility and creating these regional governments without representation. What are they going to do with this vast, these vast areas that are being abandoned? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, remember, they're not really being abandoned. Take Control is being taken of these areas through uh, non-governmental organizations, NGOs, land trusts, and your government. So, uh, for instance, um, if you want to take a look at our website, um, we have uh, the North American Wildways on there, which is from the Wildlands Network. And they show, and that's actually in my book, too, um, they show uh, the... It's incredible the amount of area. In fact, most of Canada is in this thing called the Arctic Boreal, uh, which is a wild way, and the spine of the continent, which goes from Central America all the way up into Alaska, runs right through the middle uh, of uh, western middle of the United States, right up into uh, Canada. These are the wild ways. The spine of the continent initiative is part of uh, a plan to actually remove human beings from this huge swath that includes portions of many states and uh, huge portions of uh, Alberta and B.C. and up into the Yukon. This is the uh, Yukon to Yellowstone plan. So the plan is to uh, basically move human beings out of these so-called wilderness areas and allow them to be... uh, to be wild as they had, as they were, you know, prior to human beings being on the planet. And this is the, um, you know, this is the story. This is the green mask. That's why I call my book Behind the Green Mask, you know, because this is the idea is that you're going to be, you know, so cool. You're going to release this land to the animals. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's in- interesting. If you look at the, the, um, the lineage of a lot of these uh environmental movements 
you scratch beneath the surface. Let's look at the World Wildlife Fund, uh, for mm-hmm. example, which was founded by uh, uh, Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands, who was a former SS officer, and, of course, Prince Philip, who once said that if he was reincarnated, he'd like to come back as a deadly human virus. These are not nice people behind these yeah. movements. <laughs> I know, that's great. Can you imagine? <laughs> he actually was recorded saying that. Yeah, so, and, and th- so the idea then is that uh, human beings are a blight on the planet and should be removed. But really what this is about is about taking control of uh, land, water, oil and gas, timber, uh, and moving that out of a uh, single individual's property, you know, property ownership. This is about transfer of property ownership from private ownership to public and ultimately then to, uh, to the non-governmental organizations. Well, here in Canada, it's the crown, right? The queen, she yeah. owns it. Right, yeah, you have crown land there. And I think it's, isn't something like 89% of Canada is uh, crown land or federal land? Yes, I mean, you, so, if you look on your deed, unless you specifically... Uh, you know, alter your your deed when you I guess you buy your property. The the mineral rights and everything do not belong to you underneath underneath your house. Mm-hmm. You don't even own your house. You're, you've got a long term lease. I mean, you, it's all the Queen's land. It's all Crown land. And I was reading of of Forbes magazine, Rosa, and they were talking about these land barons, uh, people like uh, media moguls like John Malone and Ted Turner, uh, and and billionaire Stan Kroenke. Uh, I mean. These three individuals alone own nearly 10 million acres. They are the largest individual landowners uh, in the United States. Now, the thing is, I recall Ted Turner talking about, you know, wanting to, uh, before he dies, he's going to he's going to donate the bulk of his uh, estate to the United Nations. I'm wondering, I mean, is, is he part of this rewilding program to turn over this land? He's buying up ranch land? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. It's funny because Ted Turner, he's all about, uh, you know, there's too many people and, uh, you know, he was, I think he was talking about cannibalism at one point. Uh, he has five kids himself. Um, but, uh, you know, of course these people are all hypocrites. That has nothing to do with it, right, as far as they're concerned. He's doing, uh, he's releasing wild carnivores, uh, into, onto his land. Wolves, bears, um, and this is something that you're seeing, you know, more and more wild carnivores coming into um, cities and, and uh, populated areas because, uh, you know, this is the idea is to bring back um, carnivores uh, into the wild. And so you're seeing this with, especially with property owners who have large tracts of land who are, um, you know, buying into this philosophy because the idea is to get people out of those areas as much as possible. And, Animals, you know, don't have, don't know where the boundaries are. So, uh, for instance, you know, I want to refer to this one thing that's um, it's called Two Countries, One Forest. It's uh, the United States and Canada, five states, four provinces up in the northern Appalachians and uh, in eastern Canada. It's 80 million acres. And um, this is, you know, the idea is that this is, you know, this is going to be sort of a, a large area that is protected for animals and um, the world War- the world resources institute has something called the global forest watch where they have a nasa satellite go over every 16 days and um, and what this does is it identifies every single tree not just identifies that the tree exists but identifies the species of the tree as well so when you have a conservation easement over your property um, or restrictions on what you can do on your property. This is land that's being surveilled from the air through a NASA satellite uh, every 16 days. So 
Um, this is part of, uh, you know, large landowners are giving huge amounts of money to non-governmental organizations like World Wildlife Fund and Natural Resources Defense Council and are regulating um, the, the way that land is being used and who uh, is going to be able to use it. Once they herd everyone into the cities, and, and, and if they're doing away with uh, a lot of these, you know, the, the family farm and so forth, how, how are the people in the cities going to be fed? Is that where the GMOs come in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, well, you know, if you really start looking into this and you, you look at food sheds, uh, which is um, something I talk about in my book as well, uh, the idea of, you know, this go local thing, it sounds so cool. Go local. Of course you want to go local, right? Who doesn't want to buy local food? But uh, the idea ultimately is that if you can't get it locally, you're not going to be eating it. So uh, if you can't grow it in what's called a food shed, um, which is an area that is uh, within, let's say, 100 miles of your, um, of your high-density urban uh, transit village, then you don't get to eat it. And then ultimately you would uh, imagine, extrapolate from that, that, um, that if you can't get enough food for, you know, let's say you figure uh, 2,000 calories a person, that would determine the population allowable population of that transit village area and uh, this is something I'm, I'm not making this up if you go take a look at um, Cornell University and food sheds you'll see this um, so one of the things that of course you're going to see as well as in terms of food is that um, if you can't uh, get access to it locally then you're not going to have it so they're talking about vertical farms and that basically means you'll be farming in a parking garage, you know, a structure. Um, and they haven't figured out how to get enough light into the center of those of those structures. But that's the concept. So you're, you know, and think about the mold and all that. But that's the idea: is to uh, everyone being self-sufficient. This is the concept. You know, the sort of all of these totalitarian plans require, um, you know, the vision of the glorious future. They also require uh, the Spartan present, austerity measures now, but they have the vision of the glorious future, and that is, you know, that is what all of this is predicated on. It's starting to sound a lot like Soylent Green, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like they're, what this, what's behind this is, um, again, it's maybe under the auspices of the UN, but you have certain very powerful individuals, maybe the, you might find them at a Bilderberg meeting, who want to institute a new feudal society. Yes. So that, uh, the plebes will be, uh, will be living in these ghettos, uh, and meanwhile they'll have these vast, you know, uh, um, tracts of land where they, uh, you know, they can do their hunting and fishing and, uh, uh, you know, just back in it, as it was during the medieval times, and if one of the plebes got caught, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, hunting on the uh, on the lord's land, <laughs> there was hell to pay. Is that what they want? A new feudal society? Yeah, that's actually what I call it: is neo feudalism. And uh, this is an engineered economic collapse because the goal is to create total dependence on government, and ultimately to have the governments themselves, local and uh, county. Uh, and provincial governments to be dependent on federal uh, funds. And by, uh, by that I mean when you have sustainable community strategy grants and regional planning grants that are coming down from your uh, federal government, then they are dictating uh, how development will happen in cities and, uh, and county areas. And this, this is part of the goal is to create total dependence so that 
all of these uh, these grants are, you know, these cities and counties are desperate for funds. So they will go along when they're required to have, for instance, uh, priority development areas or um, urban growth boundaries. Now, you know, what we're talking about here is costing billions of dollars in implementation. And uh, it's not that I'm against uh, the idea of high-density development, as I said. What I'm talking about is that your tax dollars are going to subsidize this, and this money is being diverted to uh, public-private partnerships where your government is actually, uh, you are actually underwriting projects that are hugely expensive and have very little uh, relationship with what the market demand is. And, and what is UN Agenda 21's objective regarding renewable energy, this push to renewable energy, wind and solar, which seems unsustainable, at least on an economic basis? Well, what I'm seeing with, uh, with electricity um, is that you have uh, community, aggregate, community choice aggregation, which uh, is coming your way, which means that your local government goes into the power business and either subsidizes uh, solar or wind, and uh, have, there are no limits on what they can charge you for that. The Department of Energy in the United States wants 20% wind energy by 2030, and there are, they have an aggressive renewables plan. So, uh, And by 2011, only about 3% of total electricity was uh, from wind, for instance. So there's huge cash grants. Uh, going and billions and billions of dollars in tax credits. And this is another way that, uh, you know, obviously they confuse the consumer. Uh, we have situations where, uh, in fact, your renewables are not really, uh, you, let's say you're selling back to the power grid, you're not actually using your own power. And um, it's very hard to establish yourself as being off the grid now. And this is something that is being used as a manipulation because power is a huge amount of, uh, there's a huge amount of money in power and a huge amount of subsidies that are your tax dollars going to uh, a few producers who are making a huge amount of money on this. Uh, someone came up to my mother-in-law's house and wanted to rent her roof uh, to put a, a solar panel on there to sell it back to the utility. And they're getting grants from the government to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of schemes out there now. It's sort of the new little... The thing that, uh, you know, that I think is really fascinating is carbon credits because, uh, you have manufacturers that are earning huge, you know, millions of dollars by churning out, uh, uh, gases, uh, harmful, uh, greenhouse gases so they can be paid to destroy the, uh, waste byproduct. They're cashing in on carbon credits and that's something that China is doing. And so, you know, this is, this is something we're seeing with cap and trade, uh, you know, the transition, uh, the, the, the monetization of carbon uh, and restrictions on use. And this is, you know, all these things sound good, but really when you look behind it, what it is is it's a green mask and it's being used to, um, to create this uh, crash economy that we're all living with. How do we fight this? You, you say we are the resistance, so how do we resist? Yeah, and I, you know, I'd love to really address that, uh, that question more because I'll tell you there is no safe place, there is nowhere to go, you stay and fight where you are. And, uh, you know, if you're thinking of going out into the country and being able to establish yourself there, I'm telling you, you are going to have a target on you if you're in the rural and suburban areas. So the thing that we want to do now, 
And uh, I do have about 20 pages in my book. It's a short book on what you can do. So awareness is the first step in the resistance, and you are the resistance. So you want to educate yourself. We have flyers on our websites that you can print out. They're two-sided flyers and distribute. You want to don't hand them to people. You want to put them on doorsteps early in the morning. You can get a hundred of them out in about an hour. Uh, you want to get this information to people. Um, there's no white horse. No hero is going to come along for you. So you want to dominate government meetings, video government meetings. When you go to um, government meetings for uh, regional plants where they ask you to come on down and give your opinion on this cool new plan in the center of our town. That is a Delphi meeting. It is designed, it's a mind control meeting designed to direct you to a predetermined outcome. You want to refuse to comply with that and we show you how to anti-Delphi a meeting. You want to speak out at your professional organizations, attorneys, architects, appraisers, realtors. You want to not comply with Agenda 21. You want to expose collaborators and you need to get more information. I can't, you know, this is, there's a lot of great information out there. We invite you to check out our website, which is Democrats Against UN Agenda 21.com. It's a nonpartisan fight. It's, uh, you know, this is something that freedom is totally nonpartisan. This is a worldwide fight. You want to withdraw your financial support from non-governmental organizations. If you're volunteering uh, for nonprofits, you need to find out who they are, who they're be- who's behind them, whether they support sustainable development, and whether they understand what they're doing. Um, colleges, universities, your educational system is imbued with us from pre-kindergarten to post-grad. You want to call it out. You want to defend and support others who are losing their land to regulations and restrictions, and you want to educate your elected officials. You want to assist people in being able to refuse federal grants because they have been indoctrinated by the American Planning Association and other associations that are telling them that we are conspiracy theorists. That is not true. This is not a theory. This is real. And we are fighting this all over the world. We will win, but we need to get everybody on board together, working together to stop United Nations Agenda 21. Rosa Corey, thank you very much for this. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. All right. Before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to tell you what's in store on the next installment of Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, this is Tony Merkel, host of The Confessionals, a blog talk radio podcast that brings you weekly interviews with eyewitness accounts of strange and unexplained events. From paranormal activity to UFO encounters to Bigfoot sightings, step into The Confessionals as we explore mysterious real-life stories. Check us out on your favorite podcast app or theconfessionalspodcast.com. Many thanks to Conspiracy Unlimited for having me on the air. I'll see you all on The Confessionals. Coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited, Ron Moorhead, longtime Bigfoot tracker, joins me, and you'll hear actual Bigfoot recordings, which he says are evidence this elusive creature has its own language. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Your mind. That is all for now. Oh.
show. And remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>